Owen Lieberman of Entertainment Weekly said this movie is shamelessly watchable romantic schlock for the sassy set. Roger Ebert of the Chicago Sun-Times says there is essentially not an original moment in the entire film, and yet it's skillfully made and well-acted. And Letterboxd user M. Lucerico says, I've seen this movie like 37 times. On this episode of Ruined Childhoods, we decide the fate of the cutting edge. Which one will it be? Greetings, Starfighters. It's Rune Childhood's time. How you doing? This is Dan. John, how are you? I'm doing all right. And we have another, this is our two episodes in a row with a very special guest. We have programming manager at Turner Classic Movies, programmer for TCM Underground, co-host of the Sort of Details podcast, Millie DeCherico. What up, Millie? Hi, guys. How's it going? It's good. Thank you so much for doing this. Yes. And you're curating our May episodes, which is so cool. I love cool. that. Thank you so much for having me. I'm honored. Well, your enthusiasm, especially when you mentioned how if we did The Cutting Edge, you were insisting on coming on. <laughs> I was like, yes. We're doing the cutting edge. Absolutely. Oh I'm a big sorted details fan. I, oh, cool. I I know now that you two are across the sea from each other, it's harder to to record episodes, <laughs> but when those come out, I'm so excited. Oh, oh yeah. Uh yeah, big fan. I've been enjoying <laughs> I recently listened to your episode on cats and even though I have not seen cats yet, <laughs> Yeah, I it was it was like not surprising, and it, it was funny just because I was listening to it, and I was a I was a theater kid growing up. I was you know musicals, and I never understood. I never went to see Cats. I never wanted to see Cats. Mm-hmm. I never nothing. And anytime anyone ever tried to explain it to me, they would say like, "Oh yeah, no, but it's from the poetry of T. S. Eliot," and I would just be. Like, Okay, and um, <laughs> as though that was supposed to be. Oh yes, now it's all. Now I understand why there's people dressed as cats, singing and dancing. And uh, I mean, just your um, your gut reaction to seeing it um, just kind of confirmed what I've always suspected about cats. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, honestly, like I, I feel like we're a little hard on the theater people on sort of details, which I, I have to apologize for because I know many of them. Oh. I just was yeah. never one. <laughs> we we bring it on ourselves. It's all good. Okay. Well, you know, and it's funny because I, I truly, truly had no idea what Cats was about ever. Like even as a child, <laughs> I never saw it. And, um, you know, it's so funny that April just happened to be in town and, uh, you know, hadn't seen her in a while. <laughs> and uh, we hadn't recorded a podcast in over a year. And right. it was like the first thing she's like she flew in just to like torture me with forcing me to go see this movie and then Amazing. recording an episode randomly and you know i was mad i was like one of the one times <laughs> i'm usually really good about like you know goofing on stuff and i'll pretty much see any movie I, i'm not snobby in that way 
uh, and I do think that everyone should watch every movie. I'm not, I also don't want you to not watch Cats because I told you <laughs> it was terrible, but it was bad. Like, I was mad when I saw it and was, couldn't I believe haven't that seen we it yet. spending that much oh. money. <laughs> I, I, I haven't wanted to see it because I'm expecting it to be good. I have wanted to see it because of the, just the, oddity and the curiosity and just almost like the stamina can i can i make it through this can i make it through two plus hours of of what in the trailer is already a a bit much (laughs) yeah it's um it's a lot and i have to tell you it's the last movie that i saw in a movie theater before coronavirus so Uh. it's like this total stain on my record right now where I'm like, if these, <laughs> oh you know, God. we got to get rid of this virus so I can like change this fact. I have to change yeah. this fact. <laughs> uh, I, I have uh, a question for you that um, relates to, to what something that has come up a few times on sort of details, but also these crazy times that we're living in is, uh, is pump doing like curbside takeout or anything right now? <laughs> What's the status of the Vanderpump Rules restaurant empire among amidst this crazy time we're living in? Well, I have to say, I have given this some thought because, um, <laughs> you know, the, the, the show is currently on the air as if not, this was obviously recorded before this, before quarantine. So it's like, mm-hmm. you know, it's kind of wild to see like a, pre, a pre-quarantine existence. Um, but... I I actually think that their restaurants are closed. You oh, could okay. not you could not order um, these goat cheese balls or whatever they serve there, but they're <laughs> whatever they're famous for. You could not get them even if you wanted to. And I was actually thinking about whether or not their servers would be. You know, I'm sort of like we're all right now rallying around people in the service industry because they're obviously out of work. And I'm sitting here going like, I wonder if there's like. I know that Tom Tom, one of the, the the businesses in the Lisa Vanderpump portfolio, I know that they're doing some kind of like fund for their bartenders. Okay. But like, yeah, I don't know what the status is. I feel like they have so much money they could probably pay all of the people that work there like six figure salaries until this is over. Like, she just seems so insanely rich to me that that could happen but who knows i i could be wrong it just makes me so happy that you even had an answer to that question (laughs) (laughs) yeah leave it to me to think of like the the dumb stuff during (laughs) during all this free time that i have so (laughs) no what else are we supposed to do right um but actually uh what's happening right now at uh tcm if you're allowed to talk about what's going on Sure. Um, no, I mean, you know, it's like business as usual for the most part. I mean, I'm working. Mm-hmm. I'm lo- very fortunate to have a job. And, you know, I think a lot of people are uh, at home watching television. So, um, yeah, it's we're, we're chugging along. We're still programming, still working on some stuff for the rest of the year. Um, and, yeah, it's just um, it's just crazy times right now. So when's TCM going to be showing the cutting edge? <laughs> I'm surprised I haven't tried to program it. Um, I was Sneak like, it maybe in. I could play double feature with like Ice Castles, which we have played before. Mm, um, there you go. I could do like so if I figure out who owns the rights. That's that's like ninety percent of it. So right, I'll do that work. Well, shall we launch into the cutting edge? 
um, before we do, um, John, so we, uh, Millie, if, if you're not familiar, we, we have a segment called a One More Thing. Uh, oh, yeah. We, it's our little window of opportunity to jump back into the our Rune Childhood's past and um, mention anything that we might have forgotten from previous episodes. So... Uh, and last week we did Ishtar, and I cannot run out of things to say about Ishtar. So, John, anything? I uh, I don't think I anything really comes to mind. Uh, aside from Dan, what you and I have discussed off mic, uh, which is just how I've just want to I want to watch it more. I want to watch it again. <laughs> like I can't stop thinking about it. That's really all I have to add. How about you, Dan? Oh, I just kept thinking about the whole Simon and Garfunkel parallel, and I was thinking about how both Simon and Garfunkel were in films, in especially in the 70s, and right. Art Garfunkel worked a lot with Mike Nichols, and I was wondering if there was ever any talk of Simon and Garfunkel playing Rogers and Clark. Oh. We like, will, man, how, one can only it, wonder. Yeah, so, I mean, that's otherwise, yes, I could go on forever about Ishtar, but uh, that was kind of... Millie, are you you, uh, familiar with with Ishtar, or have you uh, shied away from it, like like (laughs) most people? I feel like I saw it when I was really young, and can't really remember anything about it. I mean, honestly, it just feels like you just hear the legend of it. And, but yeah. in terms of the movie itself, gosh, I uh, I actually have a curiosity to see it though. Like, it's it's really fantastic. It really, really is. I uh, I think that right now it's just on like Showtime. I don't know if streaming on Showtime. Yeah, yeah I think that's pretty much it right now. But you're you work for TCM. You can get a yeah. copy of Ishtar anytime, right? <laughs> Well, hopefully. I, I remember we tried to program it, like, uh, probably last year. We had this, like, desire to do a programming stunt during Thanksgiving where we want to do, like, Thanksgiving turkeys, <laughs> basically what we want to call it, <laughs> and just sort of, like, bring out all of the, like, big-budget studio picture flops that, like, you know, maybe could do. we could have, like, a reevaluation of it. And uh, I think we tried to do it, and just a lot of that stuff was sort of like, I have no idea, like, why it wasn't available. Maybe it was, you know, sold off to another network or whatever. There's a lot of reasons why that stuff happens. But some reason we couldn't put it together, and I was like, are they not going to let us play it? Or, I mean, I'm sure they probably will. But so it'll probably make it onto the network at some point. But, like, yeah, at the time, we tried and failed. Uh, All right, well, we'll just keep our eyes peeled i guess hopefully yeah yeah. yeah so um yeah the cutting edge millie cutting i'm edge. so happy that you suggested this because i had never seen it before oh my god oh wow I'm so happy you want to oh. talk about it <laughs> oh my god i could not i could not take my eyes off the screen it's spe- it's a special movie oh, uh yeah. so uh if it's if it's cool with all y'all, I'll just get right into a little synopsis. I, this one's a little bit shorter than my Ishtar one, which Millie went on like way too long because <laughs> that yes. movie is so complicated. Yeah, the cutting edge is not complicated. So, <laughs> no, I'm gonna launch into it. 
After sustaining a depth perception hindering injury, cocky athlete Doug Dorsey has gone from hockey hero to sub-zero-zero. Zero. Now the only thing more damaged than his ability to see correctly is his ego. Doug's options become less bleak after he gets an offer to try out to pair up with Kate Mosley on the ice as her partner in competitive pairs figure skating. Here's the thing. Working with Kate is no walk in the park or skate in the rink, if you will. She's from a rich family and has been skating competitively since she was a kid. As it turns out, the one thing that's capable of melting this ice queen is Doug's persistence in and out of the rink and on their road to the Olympics. This will-they-won't-they story takes this unlikely pair all the way to the top, culminating in a performance of Olympic proportions. (laughs) And that is my synopsis. Nicely done. That's perfect. I would say that, like, you know, I, I usually try not to, like, spoil endings for things, but something that's kind of special about this movie is that it kind of forgets to end. <laughs> kind of forgets to end, yeah. It's no just, kidding. like, when the credits start rolling, it's just like, wait a second, what? <laughs> Where's the oh, rest? I need more. No. <laughs> I, I, Yeah, I, I feel like they were just, like, all right, this is a good, this is a high. This is, we're, they're like George Costanza leaving the meeting after getting the laugh on the joke. <laughs> yeah. And just like, that's it. I'm done. I'm out. They're, they're just like, this is what you came got, here for. We've got that audience right here, right now. And we don't want to lose them. So, because, you know, we want them to rent Cutting Edge 2 when it comes out on DVD. <laughs> or just go straight to ABC 14. Family. I think that all yeah. the all the sequels are just ABC Family sequels. Yeah, I uh, I gotta tell you something. I have seen this movie an offensive amount of times. Like I've seen it. <laughs> like I mean, like people think that I'm like exaggerating when I tell them that I've seen certain movies a bunch of times. Like there are people that I know that never watch a movie twice, which I think is so outrageous. But I, for you know, this is like comfort food for me, this movie. Um, I've seen it, I want to say, probably about 15 times, if not more. Um, I I got to say that it's like, as a, like I saw it last night in preparation for this podcast. Oh, good. But I saw it. Like two weeks ago, <laughs> and then before that, I saw it like I saw it like probably around like New Year's. So <laughs> I've seen it; it's fresh on the brain. Um, yeah how did how did this movie come into your life? What was yeah. do you remember like your first time really seeing it? Um, I definitely was in middle school. Um, okay, I I think I saw it on VHS. Um, and I, here, I have a little bit of a chicken of the egg problem because, okay, at the time, you know, you know, at, at the time that this movie came out, I was like, I just was watching a lot of HBO movies on television, but also we were, we just rented, we were like a video rental family. We never really saw anything in the theater, like first run. Oh, really? And, yeah. Yeah. My, I, my parents are extremely cheap. Uh, <laughs> and they were just like, we're not paying like $5 to see a movie or however it was to like yeah. go to a first run movie back then. So it was definitely something we rented from like the grocery store or something. And at the time I was obsessed with this movie called Memphis Bell. Oh, totally. Yes. 
Okay. <laughs> yes, with Matthew Modine. Yeah. Yeah, it was, I like to tell people, it was like the outsiders of like early 90s. <laughs> oh my like, God. Guys, right? Because it was like <laughs> your Ma- Matthew Modine, Billy Zane, Eric Stoltz, Harry Connick Jr. Oh, totally, uh, Ma- Harry Connick Jr. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And D.B. Sweeney, who, and, and this is the chicken and the egg scenario because I'm like, I can't remember if I saw Cutting Edge first. And then Memphis Bell, but, or if it was Memphis Bell that got me to the cutting edge. But the whole reason why I saw it is because I was obsessed with D.B. Sweeney. Or I became obsessed with D.B. Sweeney at some point because of this film. I can't remember how it went, but um, he was a big reason why I watched this movie a bunch. Nice. Mm-hmm. So I, but I, I re- definitely remember seeing it like, in middle school when it had come out or maybe i was about to go to high school but or something it was like 90 what is it 92 92 yeah yeah, yeah. Oh, okay i would have been in middle school still so yeah it was uh it was something i watched on vhs for sure mm-hmm. uh man i have not thought of memphis bell in so long and <laughs> now i just want to go watch it i know i you know it to me, it, it does pop into my head every now and again because it does have that. And I, I'm looking at the cast now. You've also you've got Tate Donovan in there. Yep. And of course, Tate Donovan's there. Yeah. Where else would he be? Where yeah. else would he? Well, I don't. I don't, I wonder how many of these guys they're sitting around. They're like, so you you're gonna do a season of 24 in a few years? Yeah, you're gonna do a season of. Didn't Tate Donovan? We got Donovan Sean Astin. Sean Astin. And then you. And then of course, um, ni- early 90s sex symbol John Lithgow. Right. <laughs> Current sexable John Lithgow. Yeah. Oh, all time sexable. Well, yeah. you know, in fact, in fact, I want to say that he played. So there was like the two adults, quote unquote, in the movie were David Strait, David Strathairn. Is that how you say his last name? Oh. Um, uh, I'm going to say Strathairn. And the only reason I know that oh. is because a friend of mine teched on a play he was in once and that was and i was like well you would know then to please tell oh me. my god strathairn i i never gosh that's a, that's a Who i thought? never thought about pronouncing it that way but um it's called yeah yeah so he so he was like the boss or something and then i think lithgow was like about like writing a story about the guys i i can't remember the time time change in the film where like or if they're talking about something that had already happened or if it was but I, I know that he was an army guy but i think he was a reporter hmm. so i don't He's, remember but yeah but db so db sweeney was the uh the lure to cutting edge <laughs> and i mean listen this is no shade to db in any any way but like looking back on it now it was hard for me to kind of understand what, why I just picked him. I mean, think about all of the studs that are in Memphis Bell. I mean, totally. Eric Stoltz was also a really big crush of mine when I was a kid. And for some reason, I just followed DB into the fire. I watched Eight Men Out because of him. I watched Wait. Memphis Bell. I'm like, why am I a middle school girl watching these like historical biopics <laughs> featuring this like white dude that's kind of like kind of a uh, boring looking white dude. He's not right. like a big stud or something, but um, he's kind of yeah. like a, a, he's almost, he's like a little bit of a droopy Paul Rudd. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> totally. Right. Yeah. And then I wanted, cause I was like, 
I, I almost said, because um, you said you followed him into the fire, and I was, I almost just shouted out the title of a movie that I don't even know is real. But did, did he do something? I don't want to say, yes, Fire in the Sky. Thank you. Yep. I, I watched said, that too. Yep. Yes. Fire in the Sky <laughs> fucked me up. Fire yep. in the Sky is creepy. I remember yeah. watching that one at home. It was probably a blockbuster night, and we were <laughs> watching a like family friend's dog. And I was at, like, watched Fire in the Sky and went to go walk the dog. And I was like terrified oh, of yeah. the sky. <laughs> I was yeah. like, get me inside. Well, this is awful. I mean, yeah. breaking news this week. We had reason to be concerned. Oh, you yeah. Know, there's, it's, it's real. The truth is out oh, there. Oh, yeah. Confirmed all internet. of our X-Files fantasies and whatnot. Totally. It was totally insane. And, and, and like everyone keeps talking about how it's like been buried by, <laughs> because of all everything that's going on right now. But I mean, I, it wasn't, I was like, wow, I can't believe they nope. released that. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. Um, to shout out another DB Sweeney performance and also a fine David Strathairn performance, eight men out. Yeah. Right. One of my favorite baseball movies. Um, he, I, he was excellent in that DB Sweeney. Yeah. He really, he carried a lot of the emotional weight in that movie and really. Yeah, that was really and another through. one where there's like a group of dudes that are kind of modern, like because John Cusack was in that movie, too. If I yeah. Cusack, right. Charlie Sheen. That's right. Uh, yeah. Do they do? Others. I'm curious because that was that seemed to be a big thing for, for me when I was growing up. I think it's because I just was like a teenage girl that wanted to see like cute guys on in movies and TV, but like those kind of like ensemble, I mean, I kind of call it like maybe like an ocean's 11 type of thing, but it's that thing of like, yeah. let's get all of the hot stars get the of, of the time to be in like mm-hmm. a, a historical drama, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no. I, and Hey, we were all there for it. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. I feel like they don't do that as much. I don't know what that, you know, yeah, but that's it's definitely a subgenre. And now I'm like trying to think of others that fall under that category, but like Outsiders, yeah, Eight Men Out. Memphis well, Bell. I mean, I'd say even going back to like the Rat Pack, yeah. you know, just oh, a, yeah. collection, a, yeah. a collection of uh, hunky dudes. Or, Here's a bunch you know, of famous people. There's something that for you everyone. Like. Yeah. yeah. I guess Here's maybe all the, the closest- celebrities. Yeah, I mean, I feel like maybe Little Women was like that, like the Greta Gerwig one. It was just sort of like, okay, here's like all of the like cool young people of the era. Mm-hmm. Right. And Bob Odenkirk. Like, <laughs> right, right. And, yeah, and then, you know, wearing like period clothing, yeah. you know. So maybe there is a little bit of that today. But yeah, back in the day, uh, that was a big thing for me. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, that's what why I suddenly became fixated with There's a lot of A lot of those that Ron Howard, like Parenthood and the paper were like that too. Yeah. Where I felt it was like, here's a lot of people you like and they're in one sure. movie together. Totally. I mean, if it, yeah, if it was a way for me to become knowledgeable about history while looking at like cute boys, I guess I would... That hey, whatever works. works. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> you need whatever whatever that access yeah. point is. So or yeah. competitive figure skating. <laughs> yes. All right. Uh so to me, this movie was it it kind of just like blurred all of the lines for me where it's like I was watching it and I was like, is this movie bad? <laughs> 
but if it is, then why can I like not? It's not one of those like movies where it's like, oh, this is bad, but it's funny that how bad it is. It's like there are things about it that are bad, but I think that the things about it that are good make me not care that it's that there are some totally whack things about it, like chasing a tequila shot with a lemon. <laughs> I who does that? That seemed. I did not could not believe my DB Sweeney does that. Also, there was this one line that I can't stop thinking about. And it's right after like Terry O'Quinn, uh, the the father of um Moira Kelly, like writes him the check, being like, All right, well, you tried and thanks for coming out. And he looks at it and he goes, like, All right, what if I came back tomorrow, double or nothing? And I was thinking about it and it's like, there's no way that that double or nothing can make sense. Yeah. So like he comes back and he fails and it's, he gets twice as much (laughs) or he comes back and he succeeds and he lives there for two years and then only gets twice the amount Uh, of that check. uh, How does this work? John, double or nothing. All right. (laughs) Just double or nothing. All right. No, I come back double or nothing. Okay. Don't question it. Yeah, don't. It, it was, yeah. You have to say it. In the position to offer that because you've been kind of let go, so <laughs> I know. it doesn't really make sense. To be it, like, hey, I'll do it for twice the amount that you. Yeah. <laughs> Terry O'Quinn is just like, oh, this guy's an idiot. Yeah, then yeah, come back tomorrow. I don't care. <laughs> Whatever. There's another line that caught my my attention. Just because I made a, a connection when Moira Kelly is like, I don't want anyone. You can't tell me what I can't do. And I, I, I just thought of because t- every time I see Terry O'Quinn, I think of him in Lost right. as Locke, and he says that line like a thousand times in that series. And oh. that it, it just, I mean, of course, total coincidence. Yeah, but. every time. I- well, or he does he wink at the camera in Lost after he says it. <laughs> Like that's for you, cutting edge fans out there, <laughs> <laughs> Millie. Yeah, I, I every time I think of Terry O'Quinn, I think of um, the stepfather. Did you guys ever see that that horror movie oh. that he was in? No. Yeah. Well, I remember seeing it a long time ago. It is the b- true story that it's based on. Yeah. Happened in the town we, not the town we really grew up in, but the town we lived in before we moved oh, to that like town. Born in. Yeah. Oh wow. Yeah. Are you really? Yeah. That's crazy. West, Westfield, New Jersey. Yeah, John List. Yeah. Uh, they he was this guy who would like marry like single mothers and he like you know live with the family and then he'd just kill them all and move on to another family. Yeah, and he was super wow. creepy in that, and um, you know, and also like didn't have a mustache for the most part in that movie, and so it was like when I mm. saw, I mean, I, I didn't see the stepfather until I was probably like in high school or college, to be honest, even though I think it came out before the cutting edge, I think it was the eighties. And yeah. I was like, this is the dad from the cutting edge. What is he doing? Why is he like murdering people, you know? And like, and why is he like in a basement with all these like serial killer tools and shit? I mean, I, I was so like, I'm sorry. I didn't know if I could cuss on this. <laughs> I just said, totally. okay. Um, Go for it. That those words fly sometimes. I'm sorry, but um, <laughs> oh, it's all right. Yeah. So like, yeah, it was yeah. so funny because I, I was like, and this is another thing too. I think that I've I didn't really get until like honestly like maybe even in the past 
couple of years seeing this movie is just her, like, when I saw this movie as a kid, let me just say this. I definitely just kind of focused on the romance part of it and the sports mm. part of it, but I didn't really think about them as characters, right? I didn't think about, like, D.B. Sweeney being this, you know, hard living type of dude. And I did not really think of, I just knew that she was supposed to be a snob, but I didn't think about her like a lot in life. Let's just say that. And when I, the whole interaction that she's having with Terry Quinn in this movie is so much more like now I'm watching it going, Oh, she's like unhappy because she's basically been this like pageant princess, right? you know, this like wealthy kept daughter of his and how, you know, so much of this is about his, you know, desires versus hers. And yeah. So, I mean, I, you know, I was kind of like more in tune to that. I think now, I think obviously cause I'm also just older and I pay attention to like parent stuff, but like, um, yeah. it's just crazy. Cause yeah, I, I, I was like, he was definitely more of a presence to me as I watched it, you know, as an adult, there's something for everyone. Yeah. <laughs> I also love the coach. Um, the Russian guy. Oh yeah, Pamichenko. <laughs> mm-hmm. He's so good. He's so good. Uh, yeah. And I, I'm sorry, but I, I have to bring up um, Millie. Are you familiar with the movie The Last Starfighter? I am, although I've never seen it. Okay. Well, you know, we start each episode by saying "Greeting, Starfighter." It's part of that movie. Okay. But the Pamchenko, the move that the this like. Oh. <laughs> crazy move that they do on the ice is to the cutting edge what the death blossom is to the last starfighter <laughs> in such that it even looks like it like a weapon of last blossom, resort a weapon of last resort that it where which is where the the spaceship spins around like crazy with all of the blasters firing off and it looks exactly like the Pamchenko if it were to be done on ice. Oh, my God. Like, amazing. It's amazing. Oh, good call. <laughs> it, to- it totally does. That's what I'm here for, Dan. You know, I, uh, wow. uh, okay. the Pamchenko, like, as a move, I felt seemed a little fiction. Like, I was like, oh, this can't be a real ice skating move. Because when you're watching them <laughs> do it in the Olympic, the last Olympic, the great, uh, routine at the end, which is, I guess, they're the, what makes them fall in love and the Olympics. She's so dangerously close to like just basically like splattering her brains all over the ice. Yeah. Where he's like uh, doing that thing where he's tossing her and her head, like whoever, it was obviously done by like a stunt person, but I'm like completely scared for whoever is actually performing that because I'm like, that head is very close getting knocked into the ground as it's happening right and uh i was like this mm-hmm. is a dangerous move this pamchenko <laughs> but i gotta say i was a little let down when they like he releases her and they don't actually show what she does in the air it's all like close-up shots of like feet yes. and then all of a sudden she's like caught yes. and it- <laughs> And I'm just like, what? Yeah. Give me a wide shot. I got to see this. I know. And that's the thing is that like, that's what makes me think it's a little, a little phony. This can't be real life. But also, yeah, there isn't even a creative way. They could have come up with a creative way of showing how it could actually happen, especially since that's the, the hinge on this entire, pretty much the entire movie 
the second half of the movie is this sudden death move, like this crazy thing that this guy has, you know, written on parchment paper from like the Dead Sea Scrolls and shit. Like, <laughs> like he's been working on it for like a hundred years or whatever. And like, and then it's just this thing. It's like, well, I, you know, this is too dangerous. We can't do it. And I'm kind of like, and they talk about doing it, which I'm like, even if they, if they didn't talk about doing it, then we wouldn't be curious. But the fact that right. he questions the move, DB Sweeney does, mm-hmm. and then they do it. I'm like, you're not going to even fake something in like uh, <laughs> CGI or something like, come on. Like that's, that's just not right. Well, I, yeah, I was thinking about it and it, it reminded me of the triple Lindy in Back to School. <laughs> and but but in Back to School, because it's Back to School, you can just show that it is obviously a stuntman yeah. doing all and just like close ups of Rodney Dangerfield's face going, oh, and <laughs> yeah. It, um, I, but I was like, you can't do that in the cutting edge. And it's like, you know, like someone clearly in, in like a wig and it's not Moira Kelly. So I, I I don't know if they just did what they could do. I'm sure that that's but, it. Yeah. 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 And, and don't get me wrong. I loved watching this movie so much. <laughs> uh, like, yes, I'm I'm bringing up things that make it a little whack. But like, it is, well, you, you can't stop watching this. It's like, first of all, the sexual tension is insane. Like, they did, an ama- they did an amazing job. Like making you really want like something to happen, so good on them for making that so intense. It's and it's also too yeah. They're I love that they're kind of like I don't want to call them weird, but it's like I love that they're who they are, right? Because like Moira Kelly, I think I think she's fantastic. And by the way, I just have to say. She did the cutting edge the same year that she did Twin Peaks Firewalk with me. I just have to say that. Mm. Like the range on that is like, oh, I'm going to do this like violent David Lynch film. And then I'm going to do this ice skating rom-com at the same time, pretty much. Um, So I love that that is her career. And I only really know her from the cutting edge and like the West Wing. So, uh, you know, to me. And uh, the Lion King. She's the Lion King. I didn't know that. Mm. Yeah. With yeah. honors. Oh, oh, with honors. With honors. Oh, she, That's right, with honors. Yeah. When she did that the same year she did The Lion King, so going from being a Harvard law student to a lioness. She's got that range, is, baby. Uh, again, range. Again, range. Yep. And like, and I, but I love that she is who she is. She's kind of this, like, um, I don't know, like dark, like I always wanted there to be like dark haired ladies as heroines in movies because I just, you didn't get to see it very much. And, you know, you always got like blonde princesses. And I'm like, anytime there's a dark haired woman, I'm like, yes, right. bring it. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, so she's the fact that she's the way she is. And that he's also like not, he's like a stud, but he's also not a stud. He's just like you said, he's like he's kind of like, you know, open mouthed, like, uh, what did you call him? Paul Rudd. So, like droopy, droopy yeah, droopy, Paul Paul, droopy kind of Paul. Like, yeah, but not that, not that. He's not Paul Giamatti, you know. Yeah. He's no, he's. They're just kind of yeah. like um, they're they're believable as people. I think, yeah, and that's why I sure. love that. I love that about it. Yeah, that is yes. definitely true. Yeah, no, it's great. I I love it. It's awesome. I will watch it again. Maybe not as frequently as you watch it, but yeah. I will watch it again. 
I was, this is my first time seeing it, I think, since VHS, since Blockbuster. If I remember correctly, I think I had a crush on some girl who really liked this movie, and that's why I watched ah. it. You that's that's yeah, he's right. That's what you do, right? Yeah. So, um, yeah, and I never, I never like, and I know like there's, you know, it's got a huge following. It's had I don't know how many. I think. I think we're calling them, are we calling them sequels? They seem to be like remakes, but yeah. I, yeah. I, uh, have you, have you seen them, Millie? Yeah, have you? Yeah, I, yeah. I, 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 quite frankly, I haven't because they're not in them. Right. Cause Maura Kelly and DB right. aren't in them. So I was like, why would I watch that then? I don't care if it's yeah, we have, or right. whoever it's supposed to be. Right. Like, but I'm actually surprised that they did sequels. Like it's just one of those movies that I was like, I guess I can understand it, but at the same time, I'm like, that's just such a weird movie to re- to have be a franchise or something. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, there's so there's the Cutting Edge two going for the gold, and then there's uh, the Cutting Edge chasing the dream, and then the Cutting Edge Fire and Ice, and they were all <laughs> I think produced for ABC Family. And I think I read maybe in the IMDb trivia that D.B. Sweeney and uh, Moira Kelly kind of had a pact where, like, they won't do a sequel unless the other one is also part of it. Oh, wow. Um, That's awesome. Yeah, which, yeah, which is kind of like, uh, yes, please. I know. I love so that they So I think that, awesome. right? It's yeah. a, a blood pact. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, so I think I read they in- They used the, their skates. They used the blades of the skates. Right. <laughs> Uh, it's yeah, in the outtakes. So in the second one, going for the gold, it's about yeah their daughter. the The Wikipedia synopsis says Jacqueline Jackie in quotes Dorsey, the daughter of Olympic gold medalist Doug Dorsey and Kate Mosley from the original film. So now we find out if this is canon that they did get the gold medal, which we do not find out in the original. Uh, we do find out that their romance goes beyond just that one kiss. Uh, so <laughs> that's, I think those are the only things that you, that, but, but Doug is played by somebody else in the sequel. Yes. Who is the Scott Thompson Baker? Ooh, don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I was looking as at is, the cast for all these. Who is oh, the she's Stephanie in it too. Kramer. Yeah. Yeah. I was looking at the cast list for all these and I was like, nope. Yep. Not interested. But one thing that I uh, that I love, so I, I had written my synopsis, which, of course, is filled with uh, ice skating puns. And then I read the taglines for The Cutting Edge, and they are like, it's almost like I just stole everything from this. So they are, the king of the rink is about to meet America's ice queen. When There's three more. When true love breaks the ice... Theirs is a love skate relationship, yep. and then the ultimate love skate relationship, which is amazing. <laughs> wow, it won't leave you cold. Ooh, no, no, no. Oh my god, that that is yeah. I remember the love skate relationship thing, and um, it's so good. So it's good. so good. Uh, the the sequel, Going for Gold, has a couple of taglines. Every ice princess needs her prince. 
and they're about to break the ice. It's just like, all right, we're out of them. Yep. Let's go back to the beginning. <laughs> Is there any like where like in the middle of like she's pregnant or something so they could say ice, ice, baby? Oh, man. <laughs> Get any of that going? That should have been. Yeah, that should have been the subtitle of the <laughs> second movie. Of the second one. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll never watch the sequels. So we'll just yeah. get past that. Uh, yeah. Can't, uh, can't I'm, do it. I'm not going to bother reading any synopsis, synopses because we already know. It's the same thing over and over again. Well, and also it kind of, so I maybe since you're looking at it, I'm curious. So the daughter, does the daughter also find herself in a very like, um, tempestuous relationship with a hockey guy. Like, I like, is that, is there like, okay. A- so, uh, there, there's a common thread in a lot of these. I'll read just a little bit of the, uh, going for the gold one. So yes, uh, the daughter of Olympic gold medalist, Doug Dorsey and Kate Mosley from the original film also enters the figure skating field with ambitions of winning her own Olympic gold. However, a serious injury derails that ambition. <laughs> Always an injury. After months of training, Jackie is finally ready to skate again, but has uh, trouble keeping up with the rigorous demands of skate of single skating. Her parents send her on a vacation to L.A., where she meets surfer boy slash inline skater Alex. Oh, Harrison. inline skater! Oh my god! Yep. Yes. Yeah. So I, uh, I mean, I could total. I would be interested if it was a, um, uh, like an airborne crossover. I'd be into it then. <laughs> But uh, such is not the case. Oh, my God. That is so hilarious. Then moving on to chasing. I'm just going to read a little bit of the chasing the dream one. So Zach Conroy and former lover Celeste Mercier or Mercier lose the gold to rivals Jason Bright and Cindy Halyard at the International Figure Skating Conference in Tokyo. Zach and Celeste resolve to win the gold at nationals, but Celeste falls in a practice and fractures her ankle. Oh, my gosh. Oh, no. Um, So, uh, let's see. There is an an ice hockey thing in that one. And let's see. Cutting the edge, fire and ice. Alexandra... Alex, in quotes, Delgado's figure skating career came to an abrupt halt after her partner, on and off the ice, became injured. As their love affair cooled, a heartbroken Alex stopped competing and turned to teaching. Enter James McKinsey, the smoldering bad boy of figures of sorry, of speed skating, who has had fire who has had fiery Alex in his sights as a skating partner ever since she was ever since he was banned from speed skating. Ooh. How do you get banned from speed skating? <laughs> there are not many girls who say no to James, and Alex may be the first. However, James pushes her buttons, challenging her like no one else, oh, no. and her fi- and her fighting spirit returns. She agrees to be his partner, and they begin a grueling practice regimen, fueled and occasionally derailed by their own tempestuous relationship, which heats up as they get closer. I'm sorry, I can't stop reading that. One. <laughs> it's just so funny. <laughs> the synopsis is written better than the script, I assume. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I'll watch The Cutting Edge Fire and Ice. Why not, right? Sounds pretty good. God, every, so look, crazy. every franchise needs its Fast Five where all of a sudden yeah. you're like, oh, wow, this franchise just got awesome. Yeah, yeah The Rock is in this one? <laughs> hmm. we just gonna, we're just going to throw The Rock in there. It's, um, that would be interesting, though. What if you had... A, and I didn't think of this for my remake, but what if what if you had a wrestler turned figure skater? There you go. Yeah, a wrestler who's suffered one too many concussions. I was doing takes a little a figure skater. Uh, I was doing a little research. I, I hate doing this. I hate like googling 
the probability of, well, I mean, I think it depends, but you know, it's like that thing where you're like, would this ever actually happen? Can we actually like, uh-huh. you know, like when I saw Ad Astra, for example, I was like, how long would mm. it take to get to Neptune? It seems like it's only taking three weeks, but it would actually take like 20 years. <laughs> so like, I actually did Google. I would be like, I, I Googled how could a uh, hockey player become a figure skater or like how long would it take? And uh, apparently it's almost impossible. Like, and like, and, 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 and like, there's an interview, I think it's on Nerdist with like Christy Yamaguchi or someone like legit like that. And they're like, oh yeah, you couldn't, first of all, this movie is trucking in terms of timeline because apparently it, they span the course of two years or something or so. I don't oh, remember, yeah. Yeah. but I was like, wow. This, I think four years. Yeah. Right. And so I was kind of like, okay, so maybe that would be enough time to take this guy who was a, you know, a professional hockey player who, by the way, also has no, like 18% less peripheral vision than he did before. I was just about to say that. How can and he ha- do this? Yeah. I was and, and has also, I, I, he's kind of, he's not exactly following a workout regimen when they find him. <laughs> he's no. Yeah, no, he's, a, he's so... basically like a construction worker, which I get, you know, like you can be cut, I guess. But it's like, yeah, he's not Olympic level fit no. for, you know, to, to learn a completely different discipline. And, uh, yeah, and also, it's amazing. Why, why is peripheral vision needed in hockey, but not in figure skating or something? I don't understand how that works out. Like. I feel like the Pamchenko relies heavily on depth perception. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I was kind of expecting that to come back a little bit, where, like, maybe he would miss a catch at some point, and then she'd get all, like, jacked up, and then he'd be like, my depth perception, oh, no, like, there are consequences. I know, I thought there would be, a, a de- like, an eye therapy routine sequence <laughs> yeah. where a montage of just him like looking at a pencil yeah, yeah, yeah. in front of his face well, basically it's like you gotta it get disappeared. your, eye, your disappeared. back up to olympic form yeah, yeah. i didn't understand why that that kind of they kind of just dropped that to be honest yeah it's like oh he's done with hockey that's all we need to know yeah. uh <laughs> uh no it's it's amazing. I love it. It's just so good. I'm so happy. <laughs> they don't care. They don't care. And it doesn't matter because it is a cult classic. Like people, we're talking about it right now. Oh, yeah. Yeah. They're, um, it's so funny because, yeah, I was saying it as a kid. It was definitely like the thing. I just liked the romance of it. And then seeing it now, I, st- I mean, I still like the romance of it. I think you're totally right. There is a lot. There's sparks. There's a lot of sparks. Mm-hmm. But he, but also he's like a lot more rough around the edges than I thought he was as a kid. Like I'm like, oh yeah, he's like pretty rough guy. He's got a lot of you know rough uh-huh. opinions about stuff. <laughs> and, oh, and yeah. uh, you know it's that thing where I'm like, oh yeah, he's a total <laughs> like. I mean, I think he was supposed to be painted as a redneck kind a type. You know mm. what I mean? But uh, and that well, she was the refined one or whatever. But right. I did like the scenes where, like, they'd go back to his hometown with, like, his brother and, like, the bar and everything like that. Oh, yeah. Like, I I, I like yeah. that stuff. I thought it was great. 
certainly love when like he's telling him his brother that he's getting into figure skating you just hear dude the bet go finger painting oh yeah that, i think that's a legitimately <laughs> like i think that's a legitimately funny joke like it wasn't it's like a so like funny. it was actually like a really funny moment for that movie Ensign yeah dorsey hey, no 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 lieutenant captain dorsey huh cool with the uh merchant marine what i didn't join the merchant marine Still got your sea legs? <laughs> well, if you weren't with the Merchant Marine, where the hell were you? Let's go outside and talk about this, okay? We're all family here. Uh, Tell us about it. Tell us about it. Well, come on. I bet you got some good Tell me now. Come over, Gene. Well, actually, it's kind of interesting. Tell I've been doing a little. I've been doing a little figure skating. Damn. What do you say? You've been doing what? Finger painting? That is really funny. Yeah. Uh, you, uh, but you do, there's that one scene um, when, I want to say it's when Dorsey meets her, her old partner and the old partner's definitely like being bitchy at him. Yeah. And there's there's this like homophobic vibe. I didn't like necessarily write down the dialogue, oh, yeah. but and then Moira Kelly's just like, you'll get used to it. Yeah. Oh yeah. And, totally. He goes basically but, like. Yeah. He basically gives Brian. Brian is the old partner, and um, right. So I guess Brian. They're kind of sizing each other up on the ice because they're both at the nationals, and Brian is with Lori Pedrowski. I guess that's her name. The redhead. And uh, mm-hmm. and obviously Doug and um, cater together skating. And so Brian kind of gives them a little look and is basically like, you know, oh, no wonder you've been keeping him to yourself and gives him a little wink. And I think Doug's right. like, what? Right. And then Moira Mor- Kelly's character basically says, you'll get used to it. And then I think he mumbles, yeah, right, or something like that. Like, you know. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Could be worse. Yeah, could be worse. And also, yeah, I, I, you know, like I started thinking about it. I'm like, oh, type of guy like that. Sure. Why not? You know, like was a was a bartender in Minnesota or whatever he was doing before. Like, OK, yeah. so maybe that tracks. But yeah, totally. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, it, it didn't. No, I wasn't like I didn't angrily shut off the the, <laughs> the TV. I was, though, feeling especially at the end but also during scenes, Dan, there was like no the, end. Oh, sorry. At, at the <laughs> finger quotes and uh, right before the credits, you mean? You know, at the when they skated, the last time they skated, when it was to the song we hadn't heard before, it, they weren't skating to "Yellow," um, and I mean the artist "Yellow," not the Coldplay mm. song. Right, but right. the uh, which is what they were skating to. I think that was wasn't that like one of his? It sounded like him i don't know uh that they were skating to throughout the rest of the movie and then but i i got this feeling and also during the like the the press conference at the olympics it felt very rocky slash karate kid and i just wanted to like i wanted a john g avildsen cutting edge (laughs) (laughs) but not now then (laughs) Right, yeah, no, there was there was a lot of like pro USA stuff going on in that movie. Like there was a shot, I think, at, I think it was at the Olympics where they just do like a 
you know, like a, a zoom into like somebody holding the American flag in the crowd. And, mm. and I'm trying to remember what was going on at the time, I guess the Gulf War or something. Gulf I don't War. know. But like, I was yeah. like, yeah, I was like, wow, this is like kind of a, kind of a pro-American thing. I mean, I know they, they shot it in Canada. So I'm like, okay, I don't know if they were trying to, you know, they were, they were like overcompensating for it or something, but I don't know. Uh, seemed to very that's I, what I think that's what I think you mean about Rocky and it was a lot of like oh. allusions to like Russian people and stuff like I was like okay interesting there was that but I felt there was also just the the music and the uh, the music the cinematography um especially when they're about to try the uh part Parchenko, I'm going to pronounce Pamchenko. it. Pamchenko, come on. Pamchenko, Pamchenko, sorry, Parcheesi. Um, and when they're about to do that, and I just felt all of a sudden like it was like Daniel LaRusso doing the doing the crane kick. And, or like, you know, when they're going out on the ice, LaRusso's going to fight. It had that feeling to it. So I just wondered, no disrespect to the to the director of uh, Paul uh, Glazer, I think. Um the director of Cutting Edge, but Paul Michael would, Glazer, yeah, Paul Michael yeah, Glazer. Star, it was the Starsky and Starsky and Hutch. Oh yeah, that's right. Oh, I think yes. Or, was he okay. Starsky or Hutch? I can't remember. Um, the original Starsky the sounds TV. about right. Yeah. So all due all due respect to Starsky. Uh, <laughs> I, and I was like, oh man, John G. Avildsen never really did like a, a romantic. Like there's kind there's romance in Rocky and in the karate kid, but the sports is the focus and be like, Oh, it'd be cool to see him do something where the romance is more of the, the centerpiece. Can I ask you guys, like, were you um, into the Olympics when you were a kid or maybe are now? Really? I don't know. Thoughts on uh, the Olympics. No, I think that it was just like, Hey, this is happening, but like not, wasn't getting like super intense about anything. It's, it yeah. was, you just kind of turn it on at a point. It's like, oh, cool. They're bobsledding. Oh, that looks like fun. Okay. Yeah. yeah I, I want to say, cause I was like really feeling their Olympic outfits. Like I loved her like Olympic turtleneck that, that she wore at one point. Oh, yeah. I think it was during the big like family fight scene where she was basically like, I just wish you had told me that I could just be your daughter or whatever. Um, she's wearing this like USA yeah. Olympic turtleneck that I'm like, damn, I would love to rock that right now. And then she also, they also had those like Olympic jackets, like those kind of like um, windbreakers. I, and I kind mm-hmm. of started thinking about, I think like I was, I think that I liked the Olympics more as a kid than I do now for sure. And I, I don't know why that is. I think maybe you just kind of, for me, I think I was generally a lot more into sports as a kid than I was now. But also they had the Olympics in my hometown when I was in high school. So I, there was like this whole other component. Oh, yeah, no yeah. way. It, it, oh, I was, I, okay. I'm from Atlanta and they had the Olympics in Atlanta in 96. Right. Um, but it was, um, it was that thing where I was kind of like, oh, I'm digging these like Olympic, early 90s Olympic fashions. I think I like. Yeah. Well, this was also like the year of Dan and Dave. The like oh Olympic yeah. powerhouse duo. <laughs> I I quickly had to Google. It's like when exactly was it? And it was in 1992 Summer Olympics. That's right. Uh, and so like there was definitely a lot of Olympic oh hype going I on. I have literally not thought of them since that moment. Like I have not thought about those two guys. I think 
I find up. I try to find opportunities to bring them up, <laughs> but I've never found it until right now. Wasn't the story that one of them made it and one of them didn't, or something like that? Or oh, now I gotta look this up. This is crazy. well, they did a bunch of they did Reebok commercials. Uh, yeah. Yeah, there's a bunch of art. The Legend of Reebok's Dan and Dave ad campaign that's told by Dan and Dave off in Washington Post. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I'm definitely going to be reading that all oh, night tonight. Oh, my God. Has <laughs> there been a 30 for 30 about them or something? Ooh. Oh. <laughs> so you're saying 30 for I'm like, has Ryan Murphy done an FX <laughs> miniseries on Dan and Dave yet? <laughs> oh, my God. Can we get... Can we get can we get like an I Tanya for Dan oh my and Dave? God, I would die. I would die. That would be so good. I also love how this movie starts in like post bang sesh in Olympic Village. Like, oh yeah. All, you know the whole like Olympic Village thing is such like a I don't know. Everybody wants to know what it's like inside there, and this just starts off like can, that's already can done. I tell you. Moving can I on. tell you something? So okay. <laughs> So the Olympics in Atlanta were in 1996, okay? And I, so basically what they did was they turned, they basically, you know, like any time the Olympics comes to a town, you have to like get it spit polished for the entire world stage. So they just started like building all this stuff that didn't exist in Atlanta. Like we needed to build like an Olympic pool and a track and field thing and all this shit. So they built the Olympic village so they had the Olympic Village downtown that they turned into dorms for my college. So I Whoa. went to I went to college the next year. So they had the so it was the Olympics in '96, and then I started Georgia State University in downtown Atlanta that following year, like the fall of 1997. And so I lived in the Olympic Village. The year after the Olympics. Holy shit. And it was That's it amazing. was fucking sweet. Like I was like, first of all, <laughs> they were like apartments. And so you would have these like little six bedroom or four bedroom apartments. There was like two so you had your own room and then you had like you shared a bathroom with another one other person. Because there was like, you know, basically a oh bathroom for two people. Meanwhile, my boyfriend at the time who was going to the Georgia Tech, which was literally across the street. He was living in the classic bunk bed, you know, college dorm scenario where you're like basically living in one room with another person and you have to put up like, yeah. you know, shower curtains to like separate yourself to have privacy. But like I was living in the Olympic Village and it was so awesome. And like all my friends That's were amazing. jealous. And, and then I kept thinking like, Man, I wonder like how many athletes, you know, got up some like no good here in this, you know. I mean, it was awesome. But I, every time I watch The Cutting Edge, I think about that. <laughs> That's so cool. I love it. That's awesome. Yeah. See, you say Olympic Village, I think Munich. So, uh, <laughs> well, I, yeah. I prefer yeah. the Cutting Edge experience. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You think? Just a little? Yes. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Dan, you mentioned earlier how you had a remake idea for this. Do you want to go into that a little bit? Um, yeah, I don't have a lot of details, but I got two <laughs> words for you. Boz Lerman. Hey, oh, yeah. Very okay. Good. Because what are you, what are you going to do? You're going to, they've already remade the cutting edge 500 times and it's, you know, uh, cutting edge, heart and soul, fire and ice, you know, a song of, a song of skate skates and dates. I don't know. Uh, and, but 
I I just want to see a Buzz Lerman like throw in some like crazy pop song medleys. And I am I saying make it a musical? I guess whatever it's Buzz. Buzz if Boz Lerman wants to make it a music, I, I throwing in some pop songs in there, you know, couldn't, couldn't hurt. Um, I'm not saying go full Moulin Rouge, but, uh, I think about the way, what he did actually with Strictly Ballroom. And I think about the way that he shot those dance scenes. And right. I think, I, I, I don't know, I, I, a Boz Lerman cutting edge would be, I think would, would be able to get back to the heart of, of the story but show it in uh, in a different in a different light. Yeah, in, you in could Bos, do Boz Lerman's light. You could yeah. have okay. Hear me out on this. You could have your Boz Lerman <laughs> colorful, stylish, over the top. Um, yeah, ice skating, it's figure skating musical, figure skating musical. Yeah. <laughs> or you could take it and make it real bleak and understated like an Igmar Bergman movie where it's like maybe it's taking place in like a very like snowy small town in Scandinavia shot in black and white like it's a definitely about like the class politics of like Doug Dorsey and Kate <laughs> Mosley where her father is basically like maybe a Trump-esque type of figure and you know he is basically from you know, <laughs> this like rural village and you can have it be like almost like that movie Cold War or something like that. Uh -huh. Real like understated. It would be awesome to see like both of those interpretations like happening maybe at the same time. Oh my God, I love records. it. I love the, it. The Lars von Trier cutting edge. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. I oh would love God. to see even I would love to see like Paul Thomas Anderson do the cutting edge. Yeah. Oh my yes. God. I would absolutely oh. love to see that. <laughs> now absolutely. I'm just, now I'm yes. just trying to make you laugh. I'm just <laughs> No, that's... But I would love to see it. I truly would love to see it. <laughs> yeah, I mean I could see like Ray Fiennes as uh, Pemchenko. <laughs> I think that's that Timothy Chalamet has to be in both of these. <laughs> So it's an A24 release? It's an, of course it's an A24 release. Yeah. Um, no, so, uh, yeah, okay. Ray, yeah, Rafe, Rafe Fiennes. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God, I didn't perfect. even think about casting. All I thought was, like, how do you take this and, like, revive it and give people, you know, give them the cutting edge, but give it to them differently and still make it worth watching? Yeah. So yeah, I don't watch even, it. casting wise. I don't, you know, and then, and then there's also the idea that came up during this of just remaking it where it's like a, a, a pro wrestler who becomes a figure skater and <laughs> right. Yeah. I yeah. feel like the rock and Dave Batista are too old, but I, you could throw, get a Hemsworth and that'll pass. I don't, you know? Yeah. I don't know how old um, John Cena is. He seems to be in things a lot, but you right, could easily yeah. get like an MMA guy. Uh, whoever's totally. like on the scene right now and, uh, mm -hmm. you know, get, yeah, it would be like a kind of a daddy daycare type of thing. Connor McGregor. <laughs> yeah. Connor McGregor. Connor McGregor. Right. Yes. Oh Connor McGregor and Natalie, Port no, Natalie Portman's probably even no. too, too old. No, Natalie Portman. She's, she's, uh, she's Pam age by now. No. Yeah. yeah. We need to, like someone to play like a, a real 
like a rich bitch. Like that's the key is like we the rich bitch. And I'm trying to think of who like Florence Pugh. Yeah. Oh my uh, god. Uh, that would be so yeah. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, so then it's Florence Pugh, Timothy, Timothy Chalamet. Chalamet. <laughs> yeah. In a 24 no, production. Sorry, done Fl- this. Florence Pugh and John Cena. I like that. Oh, like my that. God, I would die. That would be so tight. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, uh, Millie, you've already shared a few ideas. Uh, I, I was wondering if you had anything else up your sleeve for a way to bring back the cutting edge. I mean... God, it's um, it's interesting. I mean, I do think that DB Sweeney, there needs to be like a DB Sweeney resurgence. I swear, if we got them to come back together, you know how they do this, where they they cut, they remake the movie and then they put the old actors right. in like a role, a sneaky role. Um, mm-hmm. like maybe even DB DB Sweeney could play like the evil dad, like the, the yeah, yeah, not the evil dad because I guess he wasn't that evil, but he just was sort of no. like a rich dad, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I honestly, I love the high and lowbrow idea of it. Like I like having it be this like lavish production and then also like a real moody, uh, Scandinavian. Yeah. That's <laughs> so cool. I like that a lot. Uh, Polish director. Uh, and then also, I mean, you did talk about a 24, I mean, you could get Robert Eggers who did the lighthouse to try this, like maybe, get, maybe bring in like, some of that like um nova scotian vibe to it like i honestly feel like the yeah they didn't lean into the location i think as much as they probably could have like i like the snowy stuff that they did i really like all those scenes um but you know really like lean into the to the ice and the isolation of training like how they've got to isolate themselves and robert eggers would like destroy it make it like a moody thriller would be great i'd be down <laughs> so many possibilities I'd be totally yeah yeah <laughs> I, all of them i want to see so all of them my my idea was actually to do a proper sequel and to fulfill the blood pact to bring back uh db sweeney and um and moira kelly so in in mine doug and kate have been bitterly split up for like 15 years but they are reuniting for a charity event. So they have to come together to raise the like $10 million for like Planned Parenthood or whatever. And, but then there's also their child from the sec, the, the, maybe this is a canon sequel of the second one. And I, uh, they have to uh, rescue her who, because she's been kidnapped by ICE terrorists. I don't know what that means. But I love and then did, <laughs> did DB Sweeney and Moira Kelly just go all like gung ho and then like they go like they find Pamchenko's like stash of weapons and Oh totally <laughs> written down on the Dead Sea Scrolls uh by they the, go in, the Pamchenko. They go into they go back to Scandinavia and you know Hidden in some ice shack somewhere is just this cachet of weapons and. Or that other guy. Remember her first coach, who was like the guy oh. that kept. Oh. He kind of was like a diehard villain type of guy with like an overcoat and like he was just like, I want to see your ass in the air. You got to yeah. bring that guy in for some he, kind I, of sinister. I know. saw him and I could have sworn that he was the. Um, the like the team owner and the company owner from Ladybugs, 
<laughs> he looks so <laughs> much <laughs> like him. It's not oh, him, but it, I was like, that's him, right? It's got to be him. But it's like they have the same exact face and attitude. 30 million people just called their families in from the kitchen to watch the replay. What do you think is this, Kate? Junior Pairs, 82? Chester, you keep up the good work. This time next year, you'll have 10 men under you. Hey, Dave, can you make it women? <laughs> <laughs> Chester! It's, it's the guy who got the job instead of him. Pretty much. It's just like, yeah. well, how about you do ladybugs? I'll do this ice this uh, ice skating one. Sure. We're the same person. Yeah, I mean, they actually, they guy, did. If we made his character like an arms trader, uh, <laughs> you know, or like something, you know, he was basically like, or, you know, do the thing where they do that they did in Suspiria where they have, we could do the thing where he's like the coach of this, renowned underground ice skating society like a school kind of like john wick or something where like you like (laughs) turn like ice skaters into assassins or something like assassins (laughs) oh my god it's amazing i'm into it oh my god i just love it spit out my gum thank you I hope it wasn't oh. a fresh piece. But so I, I was curious because, you know, John, you know how my mind works. And um, I, I guess so. Sadly, I, I'll, I'll explain a little bit to Millie that I I don't remember a lot of important things, um, but I do remember like movie release dates. OK, very well, and uh, Ladybugs came out on the same day as Cutting Edge. Did it really? Yes, oh my God. March 27th, 1990. I didn't, I that I had to look wow. up and confirm because I'm like, I swear they were both like, I swear they were both out at around like- I knew they were like same like year, but break. same day? Wow. Same freaking day. That's a, that's a good double feature. Those oh two God. right there. That's amazing. Sports, romance, a Romeo and Juliet type. Yeah. From star-crossed lovers. There we yeah. go. Yeah. Except no one. So, uh, is there anything anyone else wants to add about the cutting edge that we didn't talk about before we wrap things up? Gosh, I don't know. I will say that um, the last thing I will say, I think, is that there's like a a line, like a the running gag in the movie is this toe pick joke. Oh, yeah. So, I to me, anytime I mention, I swear to God, anytime I mention the cutting edge online and on Twitter or something. Somebody invariably comments Topic, period, like, or something. Hmm. Like, everyone, that's all anybody remembers about Topic. And I was like, that, I was, I, I thought they really, like, milked that too much. I was kind of like, yeah, it's funny, sort of, but now they just keep saying it. And there's an entire Topic sequence where she just keeps saying Topic, like, you're, so that, to me, was after I read about Topic, I was like, oh, that's like a really obs- kind of obscure thing that they just leaned on very heavily as a joke in this movie, which yeah. is that you have to really know how ice skating works and you have to know the difference between hockey skates and figure skates. And I'm like, I'm 12 years old. I don't know how to do this research. I don't even know what this joke means, but I laughed at it. And then it wasn't until I was an adult that I said, okay. Like, now I understand this joke. It took me 20 years or whatever to figure out yeah. what Topic meant. Yeah, I mean, there's that bit where he's in the very first thing and he has the skates and he's like, what is this? 
uh, you know, referring to that. And it's like, I was like, okay, the skates are different. I yeah. don't know. Yes. <laughs> but what does it do? That makes sense. <laughs> That's what I was kind of like, well, what does it do? And what does is it, it just do? for stopping? Like, or slowing well, is, down? Like, is yeah, it for I, those tricks where you got to like go up on the front tip of your skate and all I don't know what I'm mimicking. I don't know what I'm doing right now. (laughs) I'm I'm miming something with my foot, which is under my desk. Yeah. You're the only people who can see me right now. And I don't know what I'm doing with my arms. I look like I need help. Like I'm choking. (laughs) Well, yeah, I know. It's like most, if you want to do a, a, if you're trying to do like a real broad rom-com in the style of the cutting edge, why are you putting some stuff that I got to like heavily research is all I'm saying. (laughs) So I had to Google what a toe pick was. And so essentially, yeah, you're right. It's basically like, it's like a little tooth thing at the end of figure skates so that you can do your little tricks. With I hockey skates, they don't have that. And apparently, as a hockey skater, you use the front of your skates differently than a figure skater would. So basically, like paragraphs and paragraphs of reading later i figured out what the joke meant is that he didn't know what a toe pick was didn't know why he was falling like why you know so it's like i don't know to me i'm like all right that's a very obscure skating term that i had to research thanks well also i mean did that deteriorate your enjoyment of this movie since you first saw it in like ninety two or ninety three, <laughs> really? I just, Probably I just feel, not. No, it absolutely didn't. But I also feel bad for my younger self that kind of just laughed without knowing. <laughs> yeah, that's what we do, though. We've all we've all got those where we we watch the movie in our twenties and thirties, and we're like, oh, 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 that's what that meant. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it's just you know, it's got rewatchability. That's all. That's all you yeah. know. Yeah. Yeah. Layers, layers, and layers. So, Millie, is there anything that you would like to promote? Um, you know, not not much. I mean, I'm on Twitter. Um, I tweet a lot about movies and also random other things. Um, it's under. I'm. It's just first name, last name, Millie DeCherico. Um, and uh, yeah, uh, TCM Underground comes on every Friday night. Uh at 11 p.m. on the west coast 2 a.m. on the east coast on TCM. and and tcm has a new podcast they do yeah we, we just started this new podcast called the plot thickens which is about um the director peter bogdanovich and yeah. uh, kind of chronicles his whole life and uh his career and uh it's our first podcast so we're really excited about it I, awesome I'm, it looks really cool i haven't I, i've been meaning to listen to the little like trailer for it but uh it looks pretty awesome so millie you uh curated our next few weeks of programming uh would you mind telling our audience what dan and i are going to talk about on the next episode yes so you and dan are going to be watching kindergarten cops i don't know if we need to watch it to be honest (laughs) need to no want to absolutely look i mean yeah well i mean we'll talk more about it but yeah, I've... this will give me an opportunity to finally watch the Dolph Lundgren sequel. There was a sequel to Kindergarten Cop. Straight to Netflix, I think. Straight to Netflix. Oh it's, yeah, no. yeah. I love Dolph Lundgren, but I mean, yeah. wow. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So yep. 
Millie, thank you so much. Thank you. For talking with us. This was so much fun. Oh my God. I'm so happy that you guys had me on here. I'm so happy to be talking about the cutting edge. I'm glad you guys liked it. Like I was a little nervous, but <laughs> no, I'm glad you got awesome. enjoyment. Yeah. 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 Well, thank you. And thank you for, for our month of May. Yeah. Oh, of course. Of so exciting. Yeah. All right. So then uh, I shall now bid you all a uh, good journey. Yeah. In the spirit of Dolph Lundgren. Good journey. Yes. In the spirit. Hey, good journey. <laughs> so coach, I was thinking about the music for our routine. Right. We're going to skate to one song, one song only. Lady Hump by the Black Eyed Peas. What you gonna do with all that junk? All that junk inside my trunk? I'm gonna get you, get you drunk. Get you drunk off my lady hump. My hump. My hump. My lovely lady hump. I'm not skating to anything with references to lady humps? I don't even know what that means. No one knows what it means, but it's provocative. 